0: things about the life and ministry of Jesus, and he just condenses them like Reader's Digest used to do with books a long time ago. But as John chapter 1 begins, uh, John gives us just an introduction to the Son of God. He left heaven. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and in that first chapter, we're introduced to the very Son of God, the very Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. And then in chapters 2 through 12, there are seven signs that Jesus does to prove that He is the Christ. He is the Son of God that came to save the world. And it did not dawn on me until this morning in studying for the last week or so that in chapters 13 through 17, that we're going to read the first 17 verses of chapter 13, the first 17 verses of chapter 13, that in these chapters... John concentrates on Jesus' teaching in the last night of his earthly life before his arrest in the garden. And folks, that might not seem important, but folks, listen. This is Jesus' farewell address as a man to these disciples that he has been so much a part of their lives for the last three years. This is his last night. And then in chapters 13 through 19, when you add chapter 18 and 19, we're told about, and if you'll go to that next slide, uh, Michelle, Jesus' last 24 hours of his earthly life. Folks, I've never seen it in that context. This is the last day in the life of our Lord as a man on this earth. Now, he is going to be placed in the grave after his crucifixion. He is going to remain there until Sunday morning when God the Father raises him from the dead to prove that this is the Son of God and to save the world, just like what John has been saying in those other chapters. But folks, these chapters that I want to encourage you to read, they are so full of the instructions that Jesus gives. And let me just point out, if you read one chapter a day, if you read chapter 13 today, 14 tomorrow, 15 Tuesday, and so on, by do you will have read these chapters. I want you to take time and ask God to speak to you about what the Lord is telling these disciples. And with that in mind, let's look back, if you'll go back to the very beginning, and let's read these verses. Okay, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. John chapter 13. If you'll go back to the very beginning of the PowerPoint, and I apologize again. This just came together this morning, okay? But listen to these verses. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And again, folks, just absorb all of these verses. So often in the book of John, John would say Jesus knew that his hour had not yet come. It was not yet time for him to die. Jesus knew that he would die. But there were several places in the gospel where John says the hour was not there yet. It was not time yet for Jesus to die. But that night, Jesus knew that his hour had come. He was going to depart out of this world, but where was he headed? To the Father. But folks, his love, his love is still there for all of the disciples. And in verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And again, stop for just a minute. I'm not going to speak about every verse. The King James translates that first phrase in verse 2, and supper being ended. The New International Version, every meal was, uh, evening meal was being served. And then the Living Bible, during supper. And, folks, I've never thought about it in this context. I've never thought about it when you and I take of the Lord's Supper. We are remembering that night that Jesus ate the Passover feast with his disciples, and during those moments, he washed their feet. And, folks, his service is not about foot washing, okay? It is about humbly serving others. Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. And folks, again, I want to point this out. The origin of Jesus is what? He came from God. The destination of Jesus is what? He is going back to God. And folks, in reality, as Christians, you and I can say the very same thing. Our origin has been God our Creator and our destination, because of the cross and shed blood and broken body of our Lord, our destination is heaven, to be with the Heavenly Father. And Jesus says this in chapter 14 I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. But in verse 4, John says that Jesus rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and girdled himself with a towel. Or girdled himself, girded himself with a towel. Then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and wiped them with a towel which he had girded. He came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not know now, but afterward you will understand. And again, think about this for just a second. There had been so much that the disciples had heard Jesus say that they did not understand at that moment, but they would. And folks, I want to tell you something about the Christian life. When you and I first become a believer, there's many things that it's so hard for you and I to understand about our faith and about our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. But folks, as we begin to see the gospel lived out in our lives and in others' lives, we begin to learn more and more. And that is what I'm desiring for you and I as we read these chapters of Scripture and especially focus on these 17 verses And so in verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is clean all over, and you are clean, but not every one of you. And listen to verse 11. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, You are not all clean. When he had washed their feet and taken his garments and resumed his place, he said to them Now, folks, he's going to ask a question and then he's going to give an explanation. Listen to the question Do you know what I have done to you? Do you know? Do you and I understand what foot washing means? Do you and I sometimes understand what the Lord's Supper means? Jesus responded to that question in verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. Now, folks, there's a message here. It is not about foot washing. But the message is this, because Jesus has served us, we are to serve others. Folks, that's the whole lesson. We are to be servants like Jesus was a servant. And here's the key verse, verse 15. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly. And remember again, folks. In the King James, is verily, verily. But any time Jesus uses these two words together, it is the Old Testament equivalent to the prophet saying, "Thus saith the Lord." And what Jesus is saying here: This comes from my Father to you. And listen to what he says: Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. I've always had trouble with these two verses. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. Folks, you know what I believe Jesus is saying here? By forming our own opinions about what we will or we will not do, are we elevating ourselves above our Savior and our Lord? Please let the Spirit of God speak your heart and my heart about this. Folks, I want to tell you, the Word of God is very plain in so many places about what the Lord Jesus wants us to do. As individual believers, as families, and as churches. But have we become so arrogant that whatever the Lord tells us to do, we say, Well, Lord, that's what you say, but this is what I'm going to do. And don't we assume an arrogant attitude when we tell God, well, this might be what your son said, but I don't believe it, or I don't think I can do it, so I'll just do what I can. Here Jesus is saying that what he says for us to do, we are to do. And this is what he says in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. It is so easy for us to come to the house of God and hear the Word of God but not yet do what Jesus says. Now, I know this morning we got the Lord's Supper, but let me just share some things with you. And again, I'm being very personal at the very beginning. Why should we study these passages of Scripture? And folks, you know, for the last seven weeks, we've studied about godly parenting and grandparenting out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And, and you know, I have all these fears, and I hate to admit this, I depend so much upon what I think myself rather than what God instructs me to do. But so often I think, well, if these sermons go into seven weeks, people are going to get bored and tired and they're going to say, man, I wish you'd move to something else. And so I earnest earnestly pray that God would give me his word to share it with you. And I've been praying, God, please help me to know what you have for us. And I want to tell you that the sermons first come For me, and then for you. God has worn me out many times in preparation for sermons as he has showed me what I need to hear from his word and then share from you. And in my anxiety and worrying about whether or not I'm going to be sharing the right thing with you, God has impressed on my heart that we must stay in the word of God. And I hope we don't come here to be entertained and we don't come here to be soothed and patted on the back and say, I'm okay, you're okay. Let's hear what God has got to say to us. And I just ask that you and I would be honest with God and let the Spirit of God take these words that Jesus tells His disciples and apply them to our life. Folks, How did I come by these sermons? Well, one day this past week as I was driving to Durham, and I had been praying, God show me, and I would already thought of several different directions that maybe the sermons could go in the coming week. But I was listening to Chuck Swindoll on Christian radio, and he read John thirteen fifteen. And again, if you don't have your Bible this morning, please go home and look closely at this verse. It says, For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. And folks, that is pretty plain and pretty simple, but I want to read it out of the Living Bible. I have given you an example to follow, do as I have done for you. You know, so often, and I'm guilty of this, I'll say, uh, do what I say, not what I do. Meaning, it's easier to preach something than it is to live it, correct? But Jesus here not only said, fellas, this is what I want you to do, but He had proven it, and He had demonstrated it, and He had set the example for three years. I'm not a Greek scholar, but in one of the commentaries it said that the word, the Greek used that a word that is used here for example also means pattern. And I looked up in Webster's English Dictionary those two words, example and pattern, and here's, here's one of the definitions of each one of those words. An example is one worthy of imitation. A pattern is a guide in making something else. Jesus is worthy of our imitating Him. He is our guide. He is our pattern. And folks, if we profess faith in Jesus Christ, then we are to be Christ followers. And we are to serve the Lord. And in serving the Lord, we serve our Heavenly Father. And we serve others. But you and I follow His example, His pattern for our lives on a consistent day-to-day basis. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, and this is not an arrogant statement that he's making, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And in the Living Bible, that verse is translated this way, you shall follow my example just as I follow Christ. You know, as we were talking about godly parenting and grandparenting, we talked about how important it is that as parents and grandparents, that before we try and teach our parents, our our children and grandchildren to obey God, we show by our life that we obey Him first. And folks, this passage of Scripture is not about foot washing. It is about serving others. And I want to close with this, folks. But let me tell you at least three purposes, I believe, in this passage of Scripture, okay? Number one, Jesus, by the foot washing, is demonstrating to his disciples how much he loves them. And did you notice that in this passage of Scripture that Jesus washes the feet of all twelve, including Judas? And Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him. Jesus knows that Judas has already betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, which is the what used to be the cost of a common slave. But Jesus wanted them to know how much he loved them. Secondly, Jesus, by doing this, is foreshadowing his self-sacrifice on the cross. His foot-washing, in essence, also is like the bread... And the cup. Jesus giving himself for us. But there's a third thing, and we'll get into this next week. You know, I've never noticed it that much until studying this passage of Scripture. Now those, those disciples were everyday, ordinary people just like you and me. Do you and I have trouble with arrogance and with pride You remember, these disciples continually struggled with who would be the greatest. And folks, we're going to read passages of Scripture where not only did they struggle, they would argue among themselves who is the greatest disciple. Do we have that problem in our church? Do we have that problem in our life? Because any time we elevate ourselves, who gets demoted? The Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime we elevate ourselves, James says God opposes the proud. And God can come in opposition against you and I as Christians and even against the church when pride elevates us. But folks, it is a natural thing for us to be proud and arrogant. Folks, one of the stories, and I, I, I shouldn't say this, but it kind of tickles me. One of the stories is about when the mother of James and John come to Jesus. Can you imagine can you imagine the mother coming in? I'm sure she said to James John, you boys just sit there and be quiet, okay? I got something I want to tell the Lord. Don't you say a word. Okay, let me take care of this. You know what she says? Promise me, Lord, that when you enter into your kingdom, that one of my sons will sit on your left and one will sit on the right, which were signs of authority and power and prestige. And that's when Jesus begins to say, the greatest among you shall be what? The servant. The slave, Folks, do you and I understand that the highest attainment or rank in the Christian faith is the servant to all? Because that is who our Lord Jesus is. He came not to be served, but he came to serve. And that night as he washed their feet, he was giving them an example. Folks, it's just coincidental that we're starting... The Project lost this week. And let me remind you what those letters, L-O-S-T, stand for. Loving others, serving together. Folks, I didn't even realize that until after working on this sermon, that folks, this is an outward living of what Jesus tells us to do in chapter 13. Some of his last words were, serve me by serving others. By serving each other. Jesus is going to say, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. Folks, listen. One of the great callings of the church is to humbly serve others. Are we doing that? Have we elevated ourselves so high that we're no longer washing the feet of those who need to be loved in the name of Jesus. And again, I'm speaking figuratively and washing feet. And we'll talk about that next week. Would you read these passages of Scripture? Would you ask the Spirit of God that inspired John as he recorded these things to speak to your heart and to your mind and to our church? Let us pray together. Father, Lord, help us to hear the words of your Son. And help us, Lord, not only to hear, but to do. Remind us of those words in James, that we're not to be hearers only, but doers of the Word of God. Father, perhaps we've fallen away from serving you and serving others. Lord, as we read the Word of God, as we see the example that Jesus has set before us, as we hear him say... I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. Father, may we be found obedient. And bless us now, Lord, as we, as we celebrate what you've done for us, as we meditate upon your death on the cross. And, Father, may we go out from this place to share the love that you've given unto us with a world that needs a Savior with churches that need a Lord and with our own life to be blessed because we have done those things that you've told us to do. Bless us in these moments, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to run over just a little bit. If you need to leave, if you've got an appointment or something, but we do invite you to stay for the Lord's Supper. You don't have to be a member of Theresa Baptist Church. If you're in the family of God, if you are a believer, then you don't have to be a Baptist. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, would you participate in remembering Jesus' death until he comes again? I'm going to ask the ladies to come and take the cloths, the linens off.